It is good to see everybody on the uh, end of this holiday uh, weekend. I know we've got some guests who are here, and so if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Bill. And if you are brand new with us, uh, if you ever have questions or there's anything that we can do for you, um, please let us know. We want to serve you and encourage your um, walk of faith in any way that we can do that. You know, we do, Melissa kind of talked about it a little bit, the, the things that we are uh, hosting, the things that we're doing over this Christmas season, and it does seem like a lot, and the last thing that I want is for you to think we're just adding things to the calendar, um, but the reason that we're doing the things that we're doing is because it's so important that we understand how Christmas connects back to how we live our lives, and so I don't want us to miss that um, this season. It's really easy uh, to think about our salvation as being what happens to us when we die. Um, but God wants to do something in terms of how we live our lives. And even the Christmas season and the message of the birth of Jesus, it's not just about what he was going to come and do through his death, though that accomplished everything for us. But he also showed us how to live, and we need to remember that too. And so that's kind of a goal that I have for us uh, this Christmas season and the things that we're going to be talking about is to understand how the Christmas story and the birth of Jesus impacts our lives every single day. Um, and so we'll kind of focus on that a, a little bit with a couple of our events and things like that. So let me pray for us and we'll, we'll jump into the message this morning. Heavenly Father, thanks so much for your love and your grace because, God, we recognize that when we were lost in our sin, you sent your one and only son, Jesus, who came to this earth and was, in fact, born as a baby and lived a perfect and sinless life, and he laid down his life for us to be the perfect sacrifice for us so that we could be brought into a relationship with you. And God, we recognize today that that relationship isn't just about what happens when we die, though that's an incredible benefit, but that, God, it changes how we live. And I pray that you would remind us of that every single day, that, God, not only do you uh, want to save us and give us eternal life. After we die, we get to spend eternity with you in heaven, but God, you want to change the way that we live. And so, Father, I pray that in the midst of the struggles that we face, that we would experience the work of your Holy Spirit in us, changing us, helping us to become more like Jesus. And in the midst of the, the challenges that we face, God, give us the opportunity to live out his character so that people, as your word says, would see our good deeds and then ultimately come to glorify you. I pray that you'd be with us over the next few minutes as we spend some time in your word. Help us not to be distracted by anything that takes place around us. Um, but God, help us to hear from you today. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I was thinking about this earlier. Um, I, I, I was going to ask this question, but I'll, I'll do it now. I wonder, I'm sure that all of us probably ate too much over Thanksgiving, right? Like, that's a given. And so I wonder if... There's such a thing as a diet that you go on between Thanksgiving and Christmas, or if we just, like, give up. I think I'm finally at the point in my life, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm going to go down this rabbit trail, so forgive me if this is, um, it takes us to a place that we don't want to go. I think I'm finally at the point in my life where I actually have to pay attention to the things that I eat. been really blessed with good genes, high metabolism, and stuff like that. And so I'm, it's finally starting to catch up with me, but I've just thought, you know what, I just don't care. Um, so I'm just going to keep eating whatever, you know, people put in front of me and I'll eat all the sweets and the cookies and all that kind of stuff that I enjoy to do. But having said all that, I, I'm curious, I have a question that I want to ask you. This is how I was actually going to start the message this morning. Um, I don't necessarily want you to respond, but I want you to think about how you would answer this question. I wonder how many of you exercise 
as much as you think you ought to exercise. Dan, I thought it was really funny, so it's good. Um, now, I know some of you in some of your routines, and you would say, yes, I think that I exercise as much as I ought to, and you would, I think you would be absolutely right. But if this group is representative of the national average, a vast majority of us would say that we do not exercise as much as we ought to. There was a study in 2013 uh, done by the CDC that said 80% of Americans do not get the recommended amount of exercise per week. And so in, over the last 10 years, when that study came out, people have done all kinds of follow-up studies to try to figure out why people don't exercise. Because everybody universally would say we recognize the benefits of regular exercise. We, it's not that we're questioning that. We know the benefits, but yet we aren't doing what we think that we're supposed to be doing. All kinds of studies that have happened, people would say all kinds of things. Some people would say that they're too busy to exercise. And, and maybe when you think about that on the surface, there's something to that. I think we are busier. Uh, we have a tendency to fill up our calendars, but yet at the same time, I also know people that make time. You know the ones I'm talking about, the, the ones that get up in the fours and get to the gym at five, like those crazy people. Some of you are those crazy people. And I don't, th they're not sitting around at home like with nothing better to do. They're figuring out how to make time to do the thing that they want to do, right? And even the person that would say they're too busy, I guarantee that their schedule is not only filled with things that they have to do. There are things that they want to do. We all, we all make time for the things that we want to do. Other people would say that they find exercise boring. They don't like it. They don't like doing it alone. If they just had somebody else to do it with, then they would do it. And so at some point, you begin to hear these are just like excuses, right? Excuses that are easy to overcome, but yet still people don't exercise as much as they know they ought to. So why? Is there something else beyond that? Maybe there is. There was an article that I came across recently um, in Psychology Today where an author theorized that the reason that people don't exercise, in spite of the fact that they know the benefits to exercise, wouldn't argue with that at all, but the reason that people do not exercise the way that they know they ought to is because we try to stay comfortable in life. We don't want to do anything that would cause us discomfort. And when you think about it, exercise is something that causes us discomfort. So we spend our entire lives trying to be comfortable, and we don't want to do anything that would cause us discomfort. Exercise is a lot of discomfort. You sweat. You get sore. The first time that you exercise or the first time that you exercise, in a, if it's the first time in a really long time, you get really sore to the point that you're sure that you've done something wrong because nobody should ever feel like that. There's the mental discomfort that you have to overcome with the realization that you are just in really bad shape. Or even if you exercise all the time, at some point the realization that I can't do what I used to do. Now that I'm getting a little bit older. And so there's this mental barrier that we have to overcome. And so this author theorized that the reason that people do not exercise is because they don't want to get uncomfortable. 
Now let me ask you this. How many of you pray as much as you think you ought to pray? Now when you stop and think about it, prayer, along with scripture reading or study, is to spiritual health what exercise is to physical health. And I wonder how many of us would say that we don't pray, in spite of the known benefits, we don't pray like we ought to pray. Because even if you haven't experienced the benefits, hopefully you would recognize that, you, that people have talked about the benefits to prayer, and it's probably something that you ought to do, but yet at the same time, how many of us struggle to do what we ought to do? And we can talk about the excuses that we make, I'm too busy, it's boring, I don't really know how to do it, so I'm afraid of that. And I wonder if, in the end, it's the same thing with exercise. And we spend our lives trying to be comfortable, and prayer is something that makes us uncomfortable. And so I'm going to talk about why that's the case this morning. But here's the challenge for us, the challenge for you. Be uncomfortable and pray. This morning, we are finishing the series that we've been in over the last uh, several weeks called The Intersection. We've been talking about the last couple of chapters in the book of Ephesians, which is a section that very much we see how it impacts our lives every single day, every subject. It's like we deal with that on a regular basis. Last week, if you were here, Melissa talked about the section on spiritual warfare, where we're supposed to put on the whole armor of God. That's what Paul writes in that section. And I thought Melissa did a really good job helping us to understand a big part of putting on the, the whole armor of God is about putting on the truth of the person and work of Jesus. As we recognize the spiritual struggle that we're in, the result of that is not in doubt because the victory's already been won. So as we concentrate on who Jesus is and all that he's done for us, that's what prepares us for that spiritual struggle. And so at the end of that section on spiritual warfare, really almost wrapping up the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul talks about prayer. And that's the section we're going to look at this morning. So if you've got a Bible, I'd invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 18 through 24, which is the end of the book of Ephesians. So Ephesians 6, 18 through 24, if you don't have a Bible, uh, it'll be on the screen as I read it, or if you've got the YouVersion um, Bible app on your phone, you can navigate your way to our live event and follow along. But here is what Paul says, starting in verse 18. Pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request, and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. Tychicus, our dearly loved brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me so that you may be informed. I'm sending him to you for this very reason, to let you know how we are and encourage your hearts. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with you all who have undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. For the last time, because we're finishing up the book of Ephesians, which we have been working through um, this year, I'm going to reset the stage for us. Remember, the, what we know is the book of Ephesians is a letter written by the Apostle Paul, written to a group of new believers in this multicultural city of Ephesus. 
it was a place where it was a challenge to be, be a Christian because of all of these pressures uh, that were on these new believers as they're just trying to figure out how to live out their faith. And so Paul begins the letter by talking about the important things to believe. And then the second half of the book is the important things that they have to do. And so here at the end of the book is an emphasis on prayer. If I counted right, Paul uses the word pray four times in three verses. That doesn't even count the synonyms for prayer. So very clearly, this is an important subject to talk about. And so if it's important for these new believers in the city of Ephesus, I believe that it's important for us to talk about as well today. And so that's what we're going to do. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to talk about why we should pray, talk about why we don't pray, why it makes us uncomfortable, and then we'll finish uh, talking about how to do that. So first, I'm going to talk about why we should pray. I'll give you a couple, couple of reasons. The first reason is this. We should pray because the struggle that we are in is beyond what we can see. This is the section that we looked at last week where Paul says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of darkness. And so Paul's talking about the spiritual struggle that we're in. And so we recognize because there is something happening that we cannot see, prayer is that thing that gives us help from someone who can see what we cannot see. And I wish that I could make this all make sense for us. I thought Melissa did a, a good job last week kind of laying the foundation for that because there are some people who I, I think go too far and everything is a spirit of something. But I'll just tell you, I, I struggle with this to, to understand it completely, to put it all together because I don't know where I end and the devil starts or the devil starts and I end. Sometimes I think that we're just klutzy, and we might fall down or break a bone and things like that. It's not necessarily an evil spirit that causes all of those things. But yet at the same time, based on the authority of God's word, I think we have to admit that there is something beyond what we can see. A real clear example of that is what we read in Daniel chapter 12. So Daniel is a prophet in the Old Testament. He served during a period that's known as the period of the exile. So this is after the fall of Israel, and Daniel is living in Babylon. And at this point in Daniel's story, he begins to receive these visions of things to come, specifically being kingdoms that were to come. So it's really important, a revelation that Daniel was receiving. And so Daniel received a vision and got an interpretation. Received a vision, got an interpretation. Received a vision, and there was no interpretation. And the vision that he received was really troubling to him. And so he prayed and said, you know, God, give me this, the revelation of this vision, the interpretation of this vision, so that I just know what it's about. And he heard nothing. For three weeks, he heard nothing. To make a long story short, at the end of that period, an angel shows up to him and says, Daniel, I was dispatched the very first day that you prayed that prayer, asking for the interpretation but I was held up by the prince of Persia. So we understand it in the context. It's a demon. And Michael, the archangel, had to come and rescue the angel who was dispatched to bring the message so that he could get to Daniel. Yes, it's strange. I don't know if that happened one time or if things like that happen all the time. But here's what I know. There is more than that is happening that is beyond what we can see. And so because of that, we need help from someone who can see what we cannot see, and prayer allows that to happen. Second reason that we should pray 
is because prayer gives us strength and hope. Prayer is that thing that gives us strength and hope. It's uh, Hebrews 4.16 that says we can go boldly before the throne knowing this is a promise given to us, knowing that we will receive grace and mercy when we need it the most. So in those moments where you're facing something that's so hard, you feel like you can't go on, what are we supposed to do? Pray, knowing that God gives us grace and mercy. So I wonder if you're facing something like that, something that's so big you don't know what to do, something that's so great you're not really sure if you can continue on in the midst of the struggle. Listen, pray, because we have a promise that we will receive grace and mercy in our time of need. Third reason that we should pray is because prayer works. It's really simple. Prayer works, even if you're not really sure that it will. Now, that does, that's not an excuse to not have faith, and we, we need to have faith when we pray. There's certainly biblical instruction for that. But yet at the same time, if you wonder... Like, I'm not really sure that this is going to make a difference. Don't let that stop you from praying. Acts chapter 12. This is the early church after Jesus had ascended into heaven. It's a formation of the church. And so Peter was the de facto leader at this point in time. Peter had been thrown in jail. There's a group of believers who are praying, presumably praying specifically for Peter's release. Well, at midnight, an angel was sent. He unlocked the doors of the jail, and Peter escaped. And so Peter went to this house where these believers were praying and knocked on the door. A servant girl was sent to go see who it was. And I don't know the exact setup, if she looked through the peephole, whatever it was, she realized it's Peter. And in her excitement, she does not let him inside, but she goes back into the house where these believers are gathered to pray. And she says to them, you'll never believe it, but Peter's here. He's outside. And they said, oh, sweet girl, you're just confused. It's probably his angel. So I want you to understand what they're saying. This group of people is praying, praying for Peter's release from jail. Do not believe that God answered their prayer, but they believe that what was more likely is that Peter had been killed. And I'll say it this way, his ghost came to visit them. So we can't use, I don't know that this is going to work as an excuse not to pray. Because prayer works, even if we don't believe that it's going to. And so we can continue on talking about reasons to pray. And I don't want to belabor the point, but Jesus prayed. If we want to be like Jesus, we should probably pray. Jesus commanded us to pray. And so if we want to be obedient to Jesus, we should pray. And so we recognize this pattern throughout scripture. We're supposed to pray. Why is it that we don't do this thing that we know we ought to do? What is it that makes us uncomfortable? I want to talk about that. But before I do, I'm going to say this. If you would say that you do not pray like you think you ought to pray, I want you to know you're not alone. And I don't say that as uh, an excuse. It, it because we should be challenged by this, but I think sometimes it's helpful to know that we're not the only ones. Jesus chastised his disciples because they did not pray. 
On one occasion, a father brought his son who was demon-possessed. He was looking for Jesus to heal him. Jesus wasn't there. He's actually on the Mount of Transfiguration. The disciples were there. They asked him what was going on, and the disciples said, Oh, we got this. No problem. We can handle this. We've done this thing before, and they weren't able to help. At the end of that event, they go to Jesus and say, Why couldn't we do anything? And Jesus said, This kind only comes out through prayer. A lot to unpack in that. But at the very least, we understand the disciples were not praying the way that they were meant to. In the Garden of Gethsemane, just before Jesus was arrested, he instructed the disciples to pray. But they didn't. They couldn't. Instead, they fell asleep. And so again, I just want you to know, if you struggle with prayer, you're not alone. But why is it that we don't do what we know we ought to do? What is it that makes us uncomfortable? First, I think prayer makes us uncomfortable because we want to fit God into a theological box. And it just doesn't work. And I'll be really honest with you, this is a struggle that I have in my own life. Because I don't understand prayer. I don't understand how it works. I want it to work in a nice little formula. Like if you do this, this many times, in this way, then here is the guaranteed result. It doesn't work that way. There's not a formula. It's not really logical how God works. But that's what I want. I want to fit God into this nice theological box where I can understand everything. And so what happens, because I don't understand prayer, the way that it works specifically, there's not a formula to it, it's really easy for me to fall back on to the idea that God is sovereign. Well, I know God's in charge of everything. Nothing happens. It's outside of God's control. He knows everything that's going to happen before it does happen. So maybe there's not really a need to pray. And so it's not wanting to dive into, lean into this thing that's really uncomfortable because I don't understand it completely because I can't quite fit God into this nice, nice little box so that I can understand. I lean away and just say, well, God's in charge. He knows what he's doing. A second reason that I think we don't pray the way that we know we ought to is that in our pride, we think we can handle it. Or maybe even mistakenly think that we ought to be able to handle it. Whatever that thing is, I can handle it. My problem, it's not, it's, it's not something that really God is concerned about. It's too small for God, so I'll, I'll, I'll take care of it. And oftentimes what it is, is our desire for control is comfortable. And our releasing of that control is uncomfortable. This is important to think about, too. If our struggle, that, the struggle that we are in, is a spiritual struggle against an enemy, and if prayer works, then wouldn't the enemy want us to not pray? I mean, how is it that some people are so disciplined in every area of life outside of their prayer life? Maybe that's part of the spiritual struggle. I wonder if a tactic of the enemy is to say, hey, you know what? God's sovereign. You don't really need to pray. That seems to me like more along the lines of his tactic that we read in 
Genesis 3 with Adam and Eve where he takes a truth and twists it. And that seems to make much more sense to me rather than some of the weird stuff that we hear sometimes. And so if we're in a spiritual struggle and if prayer works, the enemy's going to do everything that he can to keep us from doing it. But we need to get uncomfortable and pray. Last reason why we don't pray. Maybe we're afraid that God won't answer our prayer or that he will in a way that we don't want him to. I wonder if sometimes the the foundation of our faith is so shaky. And maybe in part it's because of, of, of things that we've misunderstood or maybe even things that we've heard that's wrong that Maybe things like, well, if you just have faith, God will give you whatever you want. And I think in the back of our minds, we recognize, man, that sounds not quite right, but I'm not really sure that I want to test that theory. And so rather than praying, not getting the thing that we want, we'll just blame ourselves rather than blaming God or learning about the way that God actually works. I wonder if, too, the reason we don't pray is because we're afraid that God would answer that prayer, but not how we want. This is something that I think about in the back of my mind sometimes. That God would say, hey, I want you to do this. And I just don't want to do that. And so we're really afraid that God would ask us to do something that we just don't want to do. We would rather stay comfortable and in control rather than be uncomfortable where we do not have control. But yet, the challenge for us is to be uncomfortable and pray. So let me talk to you a little bit about how to pray. The first thing that you need to know is that there's never not a good time to pray. This is where Paul begins in verse 18. Pray at all times. In the Spirit, there is never not a good time to pray. You can pray in the morning. That's a good time. You don't have to pray in the morning. I mean, there's some people that are like, you got to start your day just like Jesus did. And I think it's a great idea to start your day the way that Jesus did and pray. But if you struggle with that, that's not the only time. You can pray at night, pray in the middle of the day, pray anytime, pray all the time. Always pray, right? There's never not a good time to pray. Second thing, it's really important to understand. Though God is not a genie in a bottle, we have the freedom to make all kinds of requests and give all kinds of prayers. Again, this is, Paul says it here. After he says, pray all the time, he says, with every prayer and request. With every prayer and request. Now, the, the content of our prayer likely should not be, gimme, gimme, gimme. But yet at the same time, we have the freedom to ask for all kinds of things. We can make all kinds of prayers. Prayers of praise and thanksgiving. Praising God for who he is, for what he's done. Thanking God for the blessings that he gives to us. We should be making prayers of confession, where we confess our sins to God. We can make requests of God, asking God to be at work in our lives, to meet our needs, all of those kinds of things. We can even pray prayers of complaint. I'll give you the big fancy word that we use in the, in the Bible. It's called lament. 
But the book of Psalms is full of lament. I don't understand why this is happening. The book of Job, when he loses everything, his speech to God over and over again, God, I don't understand why this is happening. Sometimes we're afraid to say things like that, worried about what God's going to do. Listen, God's big enough, if you don't like the circumstance of your life, to say, God, I don't understand why this is happening. It's okay. Because we have the freedom to make all kinds of different connections. Something else that's really important for us to do is we cannot neglect praying for others. It says, with every prayer request, stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. So we should be praying for other people and praying for other people more so than just about health issues. So we've all been there. We get in a small group, we begin to share our prayer requests, and because it's like really uncomfortable, the only thing that we do is talk about people that are having surgery and stuff like that. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't pray for health issues for people. We should be doing that. But yet at the same time, that can't be the only prayers that we pray on behalf of other people. As Paul is writing, he is not saying, hey, make sure that you're lifting people up who are getting ready to have surgery or dealing with sickness or illness. He is talking about praying for people in the midst of the spiritual struggle for their spiritual health and well-being. And so we should be praying those kinds of prayers for other people, diligently praying for the spiritual health of other people. Last thing that's really important, prayer is our missional power source. This is Paul saying, hey, pray also for me that the message that I've been given, that I would open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this I am an ambassador in the chains. Pray that I would be bold enough to speak as though I should. I mean, think about that. The Apostle Paul, like this great hero of the faith, is asking the church to pray for him that he would be, have the boldness to talk about Jesus with other people. That is a prayer that we should be praying every single day, that God would give us the boldness to talk about Jesus with other people. Especially, I was thinking about that in this season, Christmas season, so people are so open to showing up at Christmas events and things like that. What an opportunity that we have. And we should be praying for people that they would come to faith in Jesus, praying for our own boldness to take advantage of the opportunities that God gives to us to invite people to a service or to an event, or even to help them to understand who Jesus is and all that he's accomplished for us. And listen, if you want to pray a prayer that's going to make you uncomfortable, pray that one. That's the challenge for us. To not be satisfied to stay comfortable, but lean into this thing that makes us uncomfortable and pray. And so here's what we're going to do as we finish up this morning. Rather than just talk about prayer, I want us to practice prayer. So the band's going to come up and they're going to give us some, some background music, give us a soundtrack so it feels a little bit better. Um, but I'm going to give us some prompts to pray for, and I want you to pray quietly in your seats. And so I've got uh, several different prompts for us to think about so that we're praying for, for different things. And the first thing I want us to do as we begin to pray is pray prayers of praise and thanksgiving. Praising God for who he is and for what he's done. Thanking God for the blessings that he's given to us. And so as the, the band will, will start to play here in, in just a second, I want you to just Bow your heads, close your eyes, and right there in your seat, just pray and thank God. 
Give praise to God for who he is and what he's done. Give thanks to him for the blessings that he's given you. And here in just a second, I'll give us our next prompt and we'll continue on. Father, as we come before you, we declare our praise for you. You are the the sovereign God who is in control of everything, the creator and sustainer of the universe. In fact, Lord, your your ways are so great, we, we don't have a box to put you in. But yet in your love, you reach down to us and rescued us from our sins so that we could know you. And so, Father, I'm so thankful for the blessings that you've given to us continue to meet every need that we have. As we continue to pray, I want us to move into a period of confession. Confession is just agreeing with God about our sin. And so there's two aspects to that. One is confessing that we are sinners. And then there's the other aspect of agreeing with God about our individual sin. And so for a minute or so, I just want you to spend some time confessing. Confessing your sinfulness, and if you need to, confessing your specific sin recognizing this, when we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's pray some prayers of confession. Heavenly Father, we agree with you that we are sinful people. We've fallen short of your standard. And we also agree with you about our sin. Father, the attitudes and actions that don't match your character, forgive us for those things. We confess them to you. Father, I'm thankful for the forgiveness that we have, that as we confess these things to you, you wipe the slate clean. You forgive us. And you cleanse us. Father, continue to have your way in us. 
I want to spend the next minute or so praying for other people. And yes, if there are people in your life that are in a season where they're sick or um, physically hurting, feel free to, to pray for those things. But also at the same time, let me challenge you to think about praying for those who are close to you for their spiritual health and well-being. Maybe you know somebody who is physically doing fine, but spiritually they're struggling. And so I would encourage you to pray for them this morning. But let's spend some time praying for others. Father, I know that there are some in our church family that are struggling. Some, Father, dealing with physical ailments, sickness. And certainly, God, I pray that you would extend grace and mercy to them, restore health, bring healing. I know there are others who are struggling spiritually too. There may be even some who, because of the struggle that they're facing, are, are feeling like they're ready to give up. And so, Father, I pray that you would be at work in their lives. Give them hope. May they understand that because of the work of Jesus, the victory's already been won. And I pray that they would continue to trust in you. In this last section, I want us to pray prayers for the mission. Maybe you know somebody specifically that you work with, somebody that's in your family, a neighbor, a friend who doesn't know Jesus. And so I want you to pray specifically for that person and pray that God would give you the opportunities to have a spiritual conversation with them and maybe that God would use that ultimately to bring them to faith in Jesus. And pray prayers for the mission.